That's why I asked you, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. I can hear you. You got me now. All right. Good morning, guys. Welcome to Men's Roundtable. Glad you're here. Exciting times we live in. We are moving back to Ceasefire next week. Amen. And two people were excited. Ben, we made you stay here. Nobody wants to go to Ceasefire. I don't know what's up with that. We are so thankful for Ben and uh, Vertical Church in, in providing a place for us to meet each week and hosting us. It's been a wonderful, wonderful time being here. Thank you so much, Ben. You know, when I come in in the mornings um, on Thursday, I, I, I don't know, Phil says God doesn't speak to him, and I don't guess God speaks to me either. But uh, I do ask for some kind, of, some kind of wisdom or some kind of something that I can share when I come up here on Thursday morning uh, to, to welcome you. And uh, I was reminded this morning that we're still in the series of Joshua, a leader, going to the promised land. Leaders. What kind of leader are you following? What kind of leader are you? God spoke to me this morning and Phil thought I was crazy, so I've got to schedule an appointment with him later. Um, but I pulled in the parking lot and I saw one of those leaders. Those of you that were early, you saw the geese flying around. It's a goose on the top of the church pretending to be a rooster. It's a feathered terrorist. A feathered terrorist, yeah. Had all the hens on the ground all stirred up, but it was still a goose. What kind of leaders are you following? What kind of leader? Yeah, your wife. <laughs> what kind of leader? Are you? Says the man who says his wife is his leader, as I'm reminded that uh, Adam stood by and watched Eve eat an apple. What kind of leader are you? Through this series, Phil is using the Bible, the best tool we have, to give us an example, to give us a template of what a leader should be. With that, let me open with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to gather here today. I thank you so much for my brothers, Jeff and Jeff and Chris, and bringing us all together through the technology and providing a handout and materials for us to work from. Thank you so much for being in Vertical Church, hosting us, providing an opportunity for men to come together, to meet with each other, to fellowship in person. Thank you for Phil and his preparedness each week. May the words we hear this morning be like honey to our ears. In your name we pray. Amen. Yeah. Morning, gentlemen. Uh, I want to introduce our speaker here in just a minute because I've asked Ben um, to uh, speak this morning. Um, but I want to tell you a little bit about my week uh, before I uh, introduce uh, Ben. Um, Jeff, uh, show a picture up there. Uh, last Thursday, um, I left uh, to drive back to Fairhope, and my transmission went out on me in Richland. Um, I um, pulled over, called my uh, mechanic, and uh, said, man, my transmission's gone out on me. I'd already been talking to him, and I thought I could get it to Fairhope, and um, he was a little skeptical, but, you know, what does he know? He's a mechanic. 
so I, I made it to uh, Richland. The Prince mission goes out. He says, I'm on my way. I hang up. I look up. And oh my goodness, I'm like a quarter of a mile from the Enterprise Rental. I can see it. So I called my mechanic back and I said, dude, is there anything I can do to get this thing to kick into gear? He says, cut it off. Wait 10 minutes. It might kick into gear. I cut it off. Waited 10 minutes. Uh, started it back up. It kicked into gear and I rolled it into Enterprise. And so mechanic came and, I, you know, I could imagine God that morning uh, sitting in the conference room, God, the father, God, the son, God, the Holy spirit. And they, they were talking about me. My name came up in the conference room. That, that that's a dangerous thing. And they said, you know, we need to teach Phil a little bit. Um, we're going to mess with him. Uh, but he's such a coward. We're going to have to mess with him with his car right by the enterprise car rental. So he won't completely, uh, crumble. And that's what happened. So I've been driving the panel van. So I'm the creepy old guy in the panel van. Hide the children. Clown suits in the back and the rope is there with it. No, that was a bad joke. It was a bad joke. <laughs> well, gentlemen, uh, first week of March, I think it was, Ben Derrick and his crew invited us uh, out of quarantine, a men's round table into Vertical Church. Uh, I have loved being here. I hope you've loved being here. It's been great to be here. And this is our last Sunday here. Oh, last Sunday. We're in church. This must be Sunday, right? Um, and uh, I had scheduled Ben to speak the last week of May because I wanted uh, him to speak to our group before we left Vertical Church because I thought that it would be probably by June by the time we'd get into Ceasefire. Well, it moved up. And so uh, I asked Ben uh, if he could speak uh, today. And um, I am so respectful of what Ben and all pastors do. It's an incredible uh, uh, job um, because of the breadth of ministry that any pastor has. He has to keep the little old lady happy, uh, make sure the children are taken care of and everybody in between. It is an incredible task to be a, a pastor. And I have great respect for Ben and all pastors. So appreciative of Vertical Church opening their doors to us. And I want you to stand and uh, thank Ben uh, for being uh, so gracious. Ben. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. Morning, gentlemen. Bill? Uh, <laughs> you got that right, man. Yeah. You got that right. <laughs> uh, well, just to get, document this and get this on film, um, this has been the heartbeat of this place for a long time, to be open and receptive to people coming in and pursuing Jesus and pursuing health. So I appreciate your gratitude. Uh, it should not be for me alone, though, primarily for the people of means that provided this building and set that mission in place in the first place. Uh, so I will make sure to get us out of here on time and hopefully give you some content worth thinking about. In keeping with tradition this morning, I'd like to start with a song. Uh, in breaking tradition, I'd like to start with a song that was written in the past 100 years. <laughs> I know you're trying to embarrass me, but it ain't, it ain't I usually speak places one time. So, 
Uh, before we get to that, though, I'd like to plant a thought in your mind. It's always good to contextualize. Uh, it's a lesson in and of itself. But I want you to think about this. A man without a history is a myth, is a unicorn. Every man has a history. Unfortunately, in our relationships, especially new relationships, we're expected to erase that history, and many of us have, especially walking into church, we're expected to erase our history. A man without a history is a myth. I want to remind you before we listen to the song, we're a community that is committed not to running from our past and ignoring our past, but embracing what God is doing in our present. We are men in progress, and that's worth celebrating. With this in mind, I want you to listen to uh, Jason Isbell. You guys familiar with Jason Isbell? Um, Deer Camp man, Bill Blair, introduced me to him. Uh, I think they were actually friends. This is his song, Live Oak. I encourage you to listen to uh, the lyrics. They are poetry, so let's take this in. There's a man who walks beside me Is who I used to be And I wonder if she sees him And confuses him with me And I wonder who she's pining for On nights I'm not around Could it be the man who did the things I'm living down I was rougher than the timber shipping out when I headed south at 17, the sheriff on my back I'd never held a lover in my arms or in my gates So I found another victim every couple days But the night I fell in love with her, I made my weakness known the fighters and the farmers digging dusty fields alone. The jealous innuendos of the lonely hearted men let me know what kind of country I was sleeping in. Well, you couldn't stay alone or on the plains before the war. When my neighbors took to sliding me, I had to squad for rumors of my wickedness had reached that little town soon she heard about the boys I used to hang around we'd robbed a great lake freighter killed a couple men aboard when I told her her eyes flickered like the sharp steel of a sword all the things that she suspected I'd expected her to fear Was the truth that drew her to me when I landed here and There's a man who walks beside me Is who I used to be And I wonder if she sees him and confuses him with me And I wonder who she's pining for I'm not around Could it be the man Who did the things I'm living down
shortleaf pine and buried her so deep she touched the water table line. Picked up what I needed and I headed south again. To myself I wonder, would I ever find another friend? There's a man who walks beside her, he is who I used to be. And I wonder if she sees him and confuses him with me. A man without a history is a myth. We are a community that is collecting the dots, connecting the dots. So hear this message before we continue today. There is a man who walks beside you. More importantly, it is the man that you used to be, not the man that you are today. Correct? Amen. God has done a great work in you, and you should live today as if that work has been true. So here we start. Be on the alert. Wait a minute. Let me put in my southern twang. <laughs> Be on the alert. <laughs> Stand firm in the faith, act like men, and be strong. Are you ready this morning, gentlemen? Amen. Today we take a brief intermission in the story of Joshua being the man taking the land. Today we'll be discussing together his mentor, his father figure, if you will. I want to read the opening paragraph there on your sheet just to get us in the right frame of mind before we get to our time of journaling. Sounds this way. The life of Moses shows us, as do all characters in the Bible, what to do and what not to do. It's the sum of a man's life that leads to others knowing to seeing Christ in them. God is patient with us. We must be patient with ourselves. Patience, however, is not lethargy. In order to be God's men, we must take action when required. We must also refrain from action when reactionary. Each day is a test of our internal fortitude and spiritual maturity. Let that sentence haunt you. Mm. To test well, we must be prepared to be prepared. We must study the lives of men who have lived well. Moses was one of these men. As we start to investigate our life together this morning, let me propose to you before we start journaling that we do not experience God as much as we would like to in a straight line. Our desire is to move our spiritual maturity up and to the right. But in order to do this, and this is something we talk about often in this community, we must know ourselves. Before we start talking about knowing the battle, we must know ourselves. When we know ourselves, we can more easily determine which battles to engage and which battles to let pass by. That's a difficult decision for a man, isn't it, men? Isn't it, men? Yes. Today we are preparing, so let's prepare together. I've got a few questions to ask for you. As is encouraged every week, I want you to grab your pen, grab something to write with. Don't do the man thing and just look like you're doing math in your head and you're concentrating. Actually write some things down this morning. We were encouraged a few weeks ago to not be a general Christian, to not be a general man, to not generalize the things that are going on in our life. In my therapy, I've learned this is what a general man sounds like. He speaks often in absolutes. This is what an absolute sounds like. I will never. One more important. She always. Unfortunately, when we generalize what God's doing in our life, we get very specific about what other people are doing. So let's start with some questions, okay? First question, what is it that battles within you? What is it that battles within you? There are battles that rage internally in every man. 
These battles drive much of our behavior, whether we acknowledge them or not. I want to encourage you as you're answering this question to allow it to be binary. The Bible shows us very clearly that there's a battle between good and evil. Two options. On the roof that day, David had an option to ignore or to partake. Allow this to be binary. Don't make it complex. What are the things that battle inside of you, within you? What are you fighting? It's another way to ask that question. What's at war within you? Let me encourage you to be honest here. The more honest you are, the more you will limit the collateral damage in your life. More honesty. Your friends, your children, and your spouse are paying for your lack of awareness about this battle. And they don't deserve it. What is it that battles within you? Second question, who are you? Who are you? This is an area, unfortunately, that most men are incredibly passive in answering a question like this. Who are you? We allow things like our achievements, our relationships, our wives, our money, the glory days. We allow those things to define us. Subtracting all of those things, who would you be? The first weekend I met Phil, he asked me a question that made me want to hit him in the face. That's a large club, isn't it? <laughs> he looked at me on the deck of deer camp and he said, if you weren't a pastor, who would you be? As my anger calmed down and my composure came back on that deck, the first thing I thought was, you don't know me. The second thing I thought was, I don't know me. Who are you? I encourage you in your journey time here in the next couple of minutes. Take that back. You define you. Put yourself in front of God. If you had to use some adjectives, what would they be? Good so far? Yes? Yes. Yes. Last question. We're headed somewhere this morning. What patterns are currently in your life? What patterns are currently in your life? The Bible presents God as a God of order. Genesis emphasizes this from the very beginning in the way that God chooses to tell the story of the beginning, that God hovered over the chaos. And when God engaged the chaos, he brought order. You have patterns in your life. The question you should be asking in this time of journaling is, are they healthy patterns or are they unhealthy patterns? The image of God within us causes us to seek out patterns and habits, predictability in a lot of ways. What patterns are currently in your life? All right, before we move on, let me give you this encouragement. A man who pushes away from the pen will pay a heavy price. Write your story. Fill up journals. 
Leave your honesty for the people who are coming after you. Allow them to learn those lessons on paper rather than through their life. Okay? Write your story down. There's no reason to be embarrassed of your failures or to hide your successes. In a large way, we're standing here because other people wrote down their story through God's activity. So let's jump in. Let's discuss this man, Moses, who paid a price unnecessarily. That sucks, doesn't it? <laughs> a lot of us have been there. I want to discuss the life of Moses. Many of you know his story because many movies have been made. In fact, when I say his name, you're probably calling up the imagery of those movies, aren't you? Many of us know his story, but we don't understand the art of his story. We're going to put all that together today in just a few brief minutes. We have a handout so that we'll stay on task. I want you to understand that he had very small beginnings. That God moved into Moses' story and did something in his life. This is going to be important for you to lock in, not just right now, but as you leave today. That God moved in and did something in Moses' life before Moses could do anything for God. He had nothing to bring to the table. He was an infant, and he was caught up in the damage that had happened before him. The life of Moses represents trauma in every conceivable way. I'm no therapist, but his life, the beginning, was certainly traumatic. He was left by the people he was supposed to be raised by because they actually had to, and then God moves in supernaturally to do some things. Big point as we get things rolling today. The presence of trauma does not mean the absence of God. As men, we get confused by this. If things get difficult, it must mean that God has abandoned us, and this simply isn't true. Looking at the early stages of the life of this man, trauma was certainly present, but God was also certainly present. Even in the difficulty, God was working supernaturally to free his people from slavery. We're going to get to that more in just a moment. In unexpected and unpredictable ways, God was at work. Are you looking for God in the unexpected and unpredictable? Let me just give a little bit of Bible for you here this morning before we continue. I think this should help us as men understand more clearly Romans chapter 5. Hanging on to that idea that you don't have to prove you're a man before God can love you as a man. That's not the way that relationship with God actually works. We don't have time to discuss in more detail, because we have in other meetings together, the father wound. Unfortunately, many of us take our view of our father and we put it on God. And we believe that we have to prove ourselves to earn and gain affection. That's not how God works. Romans 5 says it this way. Christ arrives right on time to make this happen. He didn't and doesn't wait for us to get ready. Somebody inform the church. I'm adding that. <laughs> he presented himself for this sacrificial death when we were far too weak and rebellious to do anything to get ourselves ready. And even if we hadn't been so weak, we wouldn't have known what to do anyway. We can understand someone dying for a person worth dying for, and we can understand how someone good and noble could inspire us to selfless sacrifice. But God put his love on the line for us by offering his son and sacrificial death while we are of no use whatsoever to him. God doesn't just have love. He is love. And we must clearly understand as men today that God loves his sons. 
and he doesn't abandon them. The beginning activity of God in Moses' life was supernatural. It wasn't natural. It wasn't earned. It was the initiative of God. I need you to believe this morning that God takes initiative in your story before you earn it. That's good news, isn't it? Second big category to discuss this man's life. The beginning, the small beginnings were communal. God used existing family relationships to play a part in the supernatural activity of saving his life and as a result, saving a nation. His family didn't abandon him. They did everything they knew to do to help save him. And then God supernaturally includes them in the plan later on. It's an incredible story. We learn inside this community, there's no healing. There's no rescue outside of a relational paradigm. You will not get better by yourself. Amen. You must be in relationship. God actually shows this to us in the way that he is constructed in three parts. We should be connected. Here's how this goes. Some people in your life will help you collect the dots. Some people in your life will help you connect the dots. And if you're lucky enough to get this far by staying in community, other people will help you protect those dots. To not lose them when life convinces you that you are crazy to think about them in the first place. Without relationship, think about this. Without relationship, Moses would have never reached adulthood. It wouldn't have happened. He would have died an infant in Egypt. The Bible talks about this as well. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 12. By yourself, you're unprotected. We should start teaching that more. By yourself, you're unprotected. With a friend, you can face the worst. Can you round up a third? A three-stranded rope isn't easily snapped. Honest question, off script. Have you snapped recently? It may be an indicator that you're trying to live as one strand. In order to get better, you must be in relationship. You must break down the walls and begin to communicate. You must say with your mouth what's in your heart, even if you were not taught to do so by your father. Be fathered by other men who are willing to do that. Visit a booth in a restaurant somewhere and listen to them share what's in their heart. Learn the patterns, just like you would learn a golf swing or a baseball swing. Observe and then emulate. Last thing, we're moving quickly here. The beginning of Moses' life was purposeful. This is something I'm grabbing here recently in my own story. The purposes of God are almost too complex to comprehend. The depth of what God is trying to do in the world and in your life, you can't understand, except for to know they're complex and there are many. It would be possible looking at the beginning of this man's life to think, okay, the goal of God with Moses was just to keep this life alive in its most innocent form. We must move in and protect this child and do what is necessary. But what we now know is that God was protecting this life because he wanted to free a nation from 400 years of slavery. God's motives, they're complex. And the things that he's doing, even if we think we understand them, have multiple layers that we won't see. Layers that may not come to fruition till after our lifetime. This is a big idea. God says in Isaiah 55, Verse 8, I don't think the way you think. Dang it. God doesn't think the way we think. 
That means at times we will be opposed to what God is doing in our story because he knows better. The way you work, God says, is not the way I work. There are times in my story where that very much frustrates me. How about you, man? Amen. Other times I thank God for it because I would have messed it up so badly in my own plans. We've got to get close to this idea that God's different than us. He knows better than us and his purposes are more complex than we can understand. After these beginnings, these small beginnings, Moses grows up and becomes a man. He goes through time and becomes actually an Egyptian. And then he experiences something that we've all known. Catch this phrase, a properly motivated, improper action. Hmm. Have you ever been caught there? I'm there often inside my home. I take an improper action. I'm held accountable for that action. And the first thing that I do is explain my proper motivations for that improper action. Mm -hmm. That doesn't let us off the hook, man. We can be properly motivated and take improper action. And the thing we must do is this story is going to bear out. We must take responsibility for the action. Certainly in relationships that are covered in love, we can explain where our heart was, but it doesn't let us off the hook for the consequences of the improper action. This is a story of becoming healthy, of learning the reasons why we do the things that we do. They are to explain to us why we participate in life the way that we do. But they don't let us off the hook for the consequences of those actions. It's a little bit difficult lesson, isn't it? Moses becomes a murderer. He sees someone being abused and he becomes angry. That feels natural to me. How about you? Mm-hmm. But then he takes action. After all the activity of God in his life, he decides to become God and be the one that exacts justice. He forgets his place. And after he forgets his place, he goes on the run. On the run. This is where the enemy works best in our story. It's exactly where he shows up in Moses's life. Everybody still with me? Let's hang on here and read the story. I'll read it so that we can keep it brief. Moses kills an Egyptian as an adopted Egyptian, and this wasn't cool with Pharaoh. Pharaoh heard about it and tried to kill Moses, but Moses got away to the land of Midian, and he sat down by a well. The priest of Midian had seven daughters trapped laid. They came and drew water, filling the troughs and watering their father's sheep. When some shepherds came and chased the girls off, Moses came to their rescue and helped them water their sheep. Moses fell for the trap of a smaller story. Rather than focusing on what was coming in his future and preparing himself for that, freeing a nation, he settled for freeing some girls at a well while he was on the run. Pay attention to this. The enemy works this way often. He will distract you. He will give you a smaller battle to fight and win so that you will ignore the larger battle that God has planned for you. When they got home to their father, Reuel said, that didn't take long. Why are you back so soon? Notice how he is described. An Egyptian, they said. Moses had an identity crisis. And the people around him actually knew it. He was born of the nation of Israel. He had been raised as an Egyptian, and he was in conflict with how this was going in his story. He was still living even on the run as an Egyptian. 
He rescued us from a bunch of shepherds. Why even drew water for us and watered the sheep? So the father says, where is he? Why did you leave him behind? Invite him so that he can have something to eat with us. Invite him to stay on the run. Some of those difficult sentences to read in the Bible. Moses agreed to settle down. (laughs) Have you been there? We're going to discuss it in more detail in just a moment. Moses is on the run. He wins a smaller victory, and he agrees to settle down there with the man who gave his daughter Zipporah to him for his wife. She had a son, and Moses named him Gershom, sojourner, saying, I'm a sojourner in a foreign country. Do you hear the conflict inside of this man? So this is how this plays out in our lives. We've got a Zoom. Recognition allows us to predict and avoid broken behavior patterns. Recognition is the key. I'm going to point out this pattern for you. It works this way. Often we're presented, especially in therapy, that we have options when we get into conflict, conflict, flight, fight, or freeze. I'm proposing to you this morning that we experience all of them, and usually in this particular order, flight, fight, and freeze. All right, we're going to pause here. I know we're getting close to the end, but I want to take a second to show a clip of Robert Duvall because why not? It's one of my heroes. I hope to meet him one day, especially after watching Lonesome Dove. This is a clip from Secondhand Lions with Hub and Garth. They're sitting there having barbecue, and things take a turn. Check this out. Oh. Question. Who in that scene did you identify with? Yes. Who do you want to be? <laughs> Big questions. Mm. Isn't it incredible the impact of art on us? A man when pressed will compromise his beliefs and exercise extreme control out of fear. This is flight. We caution you if you're distancing yourself from the truth and others, it is a sign of sickness. Second, we move to fight. This is exactly the path of Moses. We move to fight. Frustration as a result of abandoning our post causes us to take our battle and our fight to the next thing that shows up. This is why the person who walks in the door after the moment is usually who gets your strength in the wrong way. This actually happened with Jesus. Jesus showed us how to perfectly navigate this. But I want to explain to you that the enemy will lie and wait for the perfect opportunity to tempt you into the smaller story. If it happened to Jesus, it can happen to us. Luke chapter 4. In recounting Jesus' temptation in the desert, it was a big moment for Jesus after he had just been affirmed and validated by his father. He spent time by himself because he knew what was coming. The enemy shows up and his plan doesn't work. And this is how the Bible finishes that story. And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. If he is that arrogant with the son of God, you must know that he is waiting in your story for an opportune time. Are you using right now to prepare in order to battle? Well, we must prepare Finally, men do this. First we run, then we fight, then we freeze. 
Moses settled down, realizing that we've taken a broken version of ourselves to the relationships and the battles in our life. We are covered in guilt and shame over our performance. Have you ever been there? As a result, we give up. We give up on the right things. How does this guy know so much about this? I've lived it. I just didn't know what was happening while it was happening. But now I do thank God. No longer hiding, we settle down in plain sight as settled men. This is also dangerous. I want to caution you, if you find yourself in this place today or in the future, to look for that addiction cycle that we're taught so heavily in this community. We get frustrated with ourselves in the freeze. We don't like settling down. We don't like winning the smaller battle and accepting that we're smaller men. So we fantasize, we engage in ritual, we act out, then we experience shame, we're right back to square one, and we begin to fantasize again about what it would be like if we had married someone else or won the larger battle. This is what the enemy does in our lives to neutralize us. So as we close this morning, and I know we must, Let's close with some action steps, okay? God is a God of action. Jesus was a man of action. And the people that came after him took action. We are encouraged to also take action. Let's look out for these three categories in our life. First, supernatural. I want you and your story over the next week to acknowledge the burning bush in your life. To stay on the alert for unusual things that have God origins and be curious about those things. Engage those things. When you start to say things like, man, that was strange. That was crazy. When you start recounting those events to the people in your life, be aware that maybe God supernaturally moving in your story. This is the bigger story. Notice that the beginning small story, God was present in the exact same way as he was calling Moses into the larger story. God shows up supernaturally. Second, he shows up through community. Establish relationships, if you haven't already, of trust and truth in your life. Both. It's no good to have somebody you can trust to recount your crap over and over and over again. You must be able to receive the truth from them. That is community. Put men in your life that can tell you the truth and not be worried that you will go into the pattern of flight. There are those in your life, catch this, that God has designed to share life with you. He's built men around you to share life with you. We reserve that kind of thing for spouses, but God uses this with men as well. I want you to find them. I want you to follow Jesus's pattern. Jesus didn't drop into earth and everybody came running to follow him. Jesus went to get them. We over-spiritualize that in church. Jesus did it because he knew that he knew that he needed to. He was experiencing distance from his community. And he immediately, when he launched into public ministry, set up a new community. He was able to say about that larger community afterwards, this is my family. This is my community. If you don't have a father who has fathered you well, there may be one sitting in this room. Moses said, I can't do this by myself. God says, you don't have to. Aaron's going to be with you. What's your next excuse? (laughs) Communal. Last. Purposeful. Understand this. In your life... God has built you for a purpose. Mm. 
The enemy has moved into your story, especially if your purpose is large. He's moved into your story very early. The first time I saw pornography was at a buddy's trailer in kindergarten. His father had a stack by the toilet, larger than the toilet. And we stayed in there for hours consuming something we didn't even understand. Kindergarten, the enemy moved into my story because he knew one day I would be a pastor. And one day that pornography would walk through my front door. Mm. he began baiting me for the smaller story very early Mm. the enemy moves into our lives very early be motivated by the fact that acknowledging the activity of god in your life isn't just good for you it's good for the people around you Mm. that's purpose Mm. men we need something outside of ourselves to do good for did he just rescue you from your own brokenness for your sake you were certainly part of the plan but what if let me plant this seed what if god's desire is to free a nation because of your health Mm. it could be possible Mm. let's pray yeah we thank you for this morning we thank you for this man's life all the turns the up and to the right I pray for each man represented in this room, also joining us online, questioning their purpose, questioning their story. For those of us, God, who carry the guilt and shame of settling for winning the smaller battle, restore us, meet us, give us the opportunity, God, to lead again, to win the larger battle through the power of Jesus. We say this prayer in his name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Ben. Thank you very, very much. We are so grateful for you and all of our friends at uh, Vertical Church. Uh, Guys, next week, uh, we'll be at C Spire. We're going home. Uh, Excited about that. Invite your friends, um, and we'll look forward to being back where we started and where we belong. Have a great week. See you next week.